Within the Geek Cave, there lives a sarcastic woman who jumped the snark years ago. With her cynicism talisman forever upon her neck, she guides you through the cinematic wasteland. It's time for the more than monthly movie review from the GRD Cinemistress, Carol the Cat. Hello, wonderful humans. This is the Cinemistress, and this is day nine of the 12 days of the Cinemistress. I went to the movies and I saw Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom. This is the direct sequel to 2018's Aquaman. I think it was 2018. The direct sequel to that first Aquaman movie and the last in the current DC lineup. It once again stars Jason Momoa as Aquaman and Patrick Wilson as his brother Orm and is directed by James Wan. I liked the first Aquaman movie. I thought it was okay. Um, I think underwater CGI still leaves a lot to be desired. But I thought as a whole, the movie was fine. It was fun. And I liked Jason Momoa as Arthur Curry. So I went into this one hoping for more of the same, basically. I hope to just come out and say, yeah, that was a pretty good movie and I enjoyed it. So does this round of DC go out with a splash or with a gurgle? Let's find out. As usual, I will save spoilers until after the review, and I will give you fair warning. But first, your plot. It's been five years since Arthur Curry became King of Atlantis. Oh, wait. So I guess that would be 2018. So yeah, okay. I guess the first Aquaman came out in 2018. But anyway, it's been five years since Arthur Curry became King of Atlantis, and he's not really having all that much fun. Sure, he married Mira, and they had a beautiful baby boy, and he sometimes gets to beat the crap out of pirates, but he also has to sit in on council meetings and make laws and do all the kingly stuff. And it's so boring, particularly when he'd rather go and joke and drink a beer with his dad. At least being Aquaman is cool. Lucky for him, excitement is on the way in the form of Black Mantis who wants revenge because Aquaman killed his dad in the first film. Black Mantis has a bunch of Atlantean ships that he found in a salvage yard or something. I don't know. They never explain where he got this equipment. Black Manta attacks Atlantis and steals their green stuff. Look, I sat in the theater and told myself I had to remember how to pronounce the name of this element but I can't remember how it's pronounced, and if I try, I'm going to fail, and some comic book nerd's going to come at me because I don't know how to say the word. So he steals their green stuff that powers everything. Unfortunately, Black Mantis has not only found some Atlantean equipment, he also found the Black Trident of King Kordax, the king of the lost kingdom of Necros. Because of the trident, Mantis is slowly being possessed by Kordax, who wants to destroy the entire planet. Now Arthur must team up with his imprisoned brother Orm to defeat Black Mantis slash Codex. And, you know, save the world. So let's get into the good, the bad, and the ugly of this film. First, the good. This film is almost so bad it's good. And that's about the only good thing I can say about the film. Okay, I, okay. I will also say that the special effects of the things on land work. Everything underwater, though, still looks fake as hell. I did like Topo for the most part, and at least there wasn't a Wonder Woman cameo. Oh, and it stars Patrick Wilson, so at least I had something to look at. Sorry, I'm not a Jason Momoa girl, but I will stare at Patrick Wilson. There, that's your good. So let's get to the bad. Let's start with the man himself, Aquaman. I know that being a dude bro is Jason Momoa's shtick, but 
Aquaman here is so dude bro, he's almost a caricature. I swear I could smell him. I could smell the patchouli and weed wafting from the screen. As a result, I can't take anything Arthur does seriously as Aquaman. Plus, he's a shitty king. The council is absolutely right to be mad with him. The rest of the acting is passable, with the exception of Amber Heard, who is as wooden as ever. And don't come at me thinking I'm some Johnny Depp fan. I thought Amber Heard was wooden way before she married that dumpster fire. Dempster fire. Depp fire? Dempster fire? Oh, you've had too much wine, Carol. I didn't like that Black Manta was possessed for the majority of the movie because it just kind of meant that we didn't get a true Black Manta bad guy. But at least Black Manta had motivation. But I have no idea what motivates his henchmen. It's obvious what Manta is doing is destroying the environment, yet they don't leave. Why are they there? What are they getting out of this? His second-in-command, Stingray... And I only know that because I looked her name up. I think her name is said once this entire film. His second-in-command, Stingray, I don't know why she's there. Why is she so loyal to him? We don't know. Randall Park shows up as a Dr. Singh who's teaming up with Mantis because he really, really wants to see Atlantis. But he's teaming up with a guy who has openly stated he wants to destroy Atlantis. Why is he there? And what the hell is up with that undersea Moss Eisley? There's a pirate city under the sea. So apparently human pirates aren't invited. But there's a pirate city under the sea that is basically Moss Eisley. I heard the Cantina song in my head as Arthur and Orm were going through the pirate city. And then they end up in what is literally Jabba's palace. There is a Jabba. There is a Max Rebo band. There's a Slice Noodles singing. Is this supposed to be an homage? Because it didn't feel like an homage. It felt uninspired. Think of all the things you can do with an undersea pirate city filled with aquatic pirates. And this is what you came up with. A retread of Star Wars. But that's not even the worst thing about this script. That leads us to the ugly. This is one of the most predictable and safest superhero films I have seen in a very long time. Everything went exactly as it was supposed to, and nothing shocked me. Well, let me take that back. I was a little bit shocked that at three different points in this film, a character pees in Jason Momoa's mouth. And before you run for the theater, none of the characters are female. But other than that interesting cinematic decision, everything else here is very, very predictable. And because this is so predictable and so safe, characters end up making irrational decisions because they have to get from point A to point B in the, in the safest possible way. So you have an incredibly predictable script with characters making bad decisions that you knew that they would make. Also, one last thing, their use of rock music in here just reeks of them trying to copy Marvel. And it was driving me nuts because three times in this film, they do the intro to Spirit in the Sky, but at no point do they play the song, the whole song. Stop teasing us with the intro and play the song. Instead, you get the most predictable dude bro songs. Final thoughts. I really wish this film had had the guts to just lean into the camp and be a Batman and Robin. This is a safer and more predictable sequel to what was essentially a pretty safe and predictable movie. If they had leaned into the silliness and leaned into the camp a little, they might have had something a little special, at least in the so bad it's good category. I can't say I didn't have a fun time at the theater, but it was fun at the expense of the movie rather than because of it. 
This isn't the worst superhero film I've seen this year, but ultimately this is a pretty sad way to end this chapter on DC. This is a comic book movie, so I'm giving it a comic book grade. I'm giving Aquaman The Lost Kingdom a 5.5. A slightly above average collectible with several moderate defects. And now, spoilers. Spoilers. Spoilers? What spoilers? You tell me. Spoilers. So, this is the stupidity we're dealing with here. Say you're Black Manta, and... You hire this scientist to help you. And this scientist isn't even morally gray. He just is really, really ardent to see a specific thing. And you happen to be going to that specific place. He wants to see Atlantis and you're going to Atlantis to destroy it. And after you, you know, destroy Atlantis, this place that this guy really, the scientist loves, the scientist starts questioning you and telling you, you can't continue to do what you're doing because you're hurting people. Would you still trust that scientist? Would you let him keep doing his job and have all of his security clearances? And when you're about to sacrifice a small baby, would he be the one you turn to and say, Go get the baby. I don't think so. I could not understand why Mantis was keeping Dr. Singh around. He didn't need him anymore. Yet Singh is still working still has all of his security clearances, can transmit coordinates to Atlantis, and he's the one that Mantis says, yeah, grab the kid. And for some reason, Mantis is shocked that there's no baby in the basket that he's handed. There's a bomb. But that's not even the stupidest moment of this film. Because while Mantis is, for some reason, trusting Dr. Singh, his second-in-command, Stingray, a woman he trusts complicitly is battling Atlanteans with your henchman, who for some reason is still loyal to you as well. And while she's doing battle with Aquaman, Aquaman calls a bunch of sea creatures, whales and sharks. All these sea animals come around her ship, and she's amazed. She's shocked. Why is she shocked? She's like, you gotta be kidding me. You knew who you were fighting. You're fighting Aquaman. You know this. This is his thing. It's like his one thing. You would think you would actually have prepared for that. But no, she is absolutely shocked when there be whales here. It was moments like that where I burst out laughing that I was actually enjoying this film. And I wish there was more of that in the, in the movie. There's just, there's too many long scenes of Jason Momoa just being Jason Momoa. This is the Cinemistress signing out. Wouldn't the world notice the giant volcano spewing green toxic gas in the air? Wouldn't they like go, hey, could our recent weather problems have something to do with that volcano spitting toxic fumes? GRD is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States License. Come check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and hit up our website at geekradiodaily.com. Find more of Carol the Cat at guardiansofthegeekery.com and purplehairedpixie.com. 